0: Have your copy of God's Word, I would love for you to take it and turn to the book of Galatians. We're almost to the end. Next week will be the last one. Galatians chapter six. Paul tells his, the Galatians, and he tells us to work for the good of all. Work for the good of all. We're going to explore that even deeper during this time. Just a reminder that, that Galatians is a book that's a letter. Written to a group of churches in what today would be southern Turkey. He wrote to them because he had planted them. He wrote to correct an error. An error that the salvation and justification before God needed something besides Jesus Christ. That's why he wrote the letter. You see, our human nature wants to live for itself. It's just a natural tendency. We try to do things ourselves. I remember my, my daughter when she was real little and Angie was helping her with something saying, I do it myself. I do it myself. We want that. Um, Even in philanthropy, even when we're trying to give to others, we want to do it ourselves. We want to use that for our own glory, our own edification, and sometimes even for our own justification. The Galatians had toyed with salvation by works and had been playing with that. And Paul is caught writing to correct them that. He knows that their motives could be wrong because of this salvation by works, even in the form of Christian service, could be wrong. He gives them the right focus here, though. He draws them into this this point that he's going to make this morning. Paul shows them how to be responsible for their own works before God here is how they can carry their own load go back to verse 5 of chapter 6 and you'll see that each person's got to carry their own load Paul's giving them a perfect example of how to do that Paul counters a lax and lazy faith right here with a spirit-led faith what we're supposed to be doing and what why we're supposed to be doing it see when our hearts are changed by Jesus we will live differently born again has to mean something so we will live differently, and, and this is a sermon for believers this morning. So if you're, if you're not a believer, there's still gospel in this, but I want you to understand that this is instruction for us as believers of how we're supposed to be living our life. So let's read this passage, and I'll talk about it some more, starting with verse six. Let the one who has taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap, because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Let's pray. Father, we I thank you for this passage. And as many times as I've read it, heard it preached, and tried to act it out, we still fall short. So this is a good reminder for us of how we're supposed to be living our life, using our resources, and glorifying you at the same time. Help us and show us in this passage this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can't outgive God. You ever heard that phrase? believe it? I mean we say it all the time because everything we have God gave us. If we're if we're really in the scriptures, we know that we didn't really deserve anything we've got and we really probably didn't get a chance to earn it. We had opportunity to get it. So we're we're given everything by God and we say that we can't outgive God, but it's hard to live it. It really is hard to live it. The American dream, God bless it, but it has robbed us of the joy of giving. The, the culture out there of getting, 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 it's ruined us because God's called us to give a good measure, pressed down and shaken together. So Paul shows them this morning that working for the good of all is what God expects for them now and in eternity. And so what I want us to understand this morning is that God gives us resources. God gives us our, our time, our, our money, everything to invest in the care of others. That's what we're here for. That's why he left us here. He saved us to do this very thing. And this demonstrates our faith and demonstrates a life that's in the Holy Spirit. And Paul's trying to get that across to us as well. So how should we care for all with our resources? Well, that's what Paul's going to get to here. And God conveys in this passage two attributes we need to keep and focus on and work on and cultivate to do just that. First, we need to be generous with everything we have sharing is caring and it's for eternity that's the point number one verses six through eight sharing is caring for eternity let the one who is taught the word share all his good things with the teacher don't be deceived God is not mocked for whatever a person sows he will also reap because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh but the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit Paul is again, like I said earlier, showing us the one way we can carry our load, our own load, as he points out in verse 5. And it's to share with those who teach us the gospel. Now this, this verse sounds like a good promotion for paying your pastor well, but that's not what I'm preaching on this morning, so don't worry about that. That is not my motive, okay? But all of us have been taught by somebody the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's word has been expressed to us if we've been in church any in our life by somebody. And taking care of them and sharing and caring for those who lead us is the point Paul's making. Well, how? Materially, mostly, is what Paul's pointing to. You can use some other references in scripture. When, when Paul uses the term sharing all good things in this verse, you can use a lot of other scriptures to understand Paul's usually talking about material possessions or financially in some way, shape, or form. And I'll explain why in a minute, but. For example, 1 Timothy 6, 18. He's given instruction to a young pastor named Timothy who is pastoring at the town of Ephesus. And in 1 Timothy 6, 18, this is what Paul tells him. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share. So Paul, usually when he puts those those words together, share good things, he's talking about financially or materially at least. There's plenty of other passages. If you want some more, I'll give them to you after the, pa- after the sermon. But, but in Paul's current context, in that first century, for Christians, material needs was very, very, very important because of persecution, because people didn't like Christianity, because of persecution and isolation. Christians were suffering. And then there was a famine la- later on that, that uh, Paul helped to deal with. But material possessions, needs needs, not, not what we want, but needs, food, clothing, shelter, those are things that were really important, and that's why Paul's talking today about those things, and, and he's, this is his context of what he's talking about. But we could take another look at this in our very wealthy context that we live in. Today, good things should be or could be your time, the setting you live in, your environment, or the support you can lend, as well as financial support. So sharing with spiritual leaders is caring. And that's what Paul's, the first six is meant to do. And then he cautions them, do not let yourself be fooled. Do not let yourself be duped into thinking that God is not serious about giving our resources to others and sharing with others, to be generous with others. That's carrying your own load. See, this is an imperative. Do not be deceived. He's commanding them, don't let anyone fool you about this. And then he says, fool you about what? God is not mocked. He's warning them because God won't stand for it. God won't stand for us being stingy. He won't stand for us being hoarding our stuff or being uh, afraid to share or even just not willing to share. He will punish those who spite him, who disdain him. God is not mocked. See, God built a principle into the world that you reap what you sow. It's a principle. It's everywhere. In, and it's in nature especially, but I believe it emanates from God's character when he created the world. I believe that God's nature is you sow, you, when you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And so it's true in, 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 in nature. And even Jesus used this concept everywhere in his teaching. You can look at a lot of places. He's talking about something that you can do God's going to bless in a a, a positive way. Or if you don't do or do something wrong, he'll bless in a negative way. God is calling for generosity here, okay? Let's make no no bones about it. He's calling you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, to be generous. And sneering at it or not even pursuing it or not taking it seriously, God's not going to tolerate. He is not going to be mocked. And he explains that in verse 8. Those who sow to the flesh are going to reap destruction. They demonstrate that they belong to this present evil age, in, in chapter one, verse four, and they will perish. Continuing to do the works of the flesh that we read in Acts, I mean in Galatians 5, uh, chapter five, 19 through 21, if you continue to do those works of the flesh, you are proving that you don't have a regenerate heart, that you have not been saved by Jesus Christ. That's what that proves. And using our worldly possessions, our worldly resources for our own good, our own advantage, our own ideas, is slowing to the flesh. That's what Paul's getting at here. You're going to reap destruction. Well, what kind of destruction is he talking about? Well, if you look at the contrast in verse 8, it's corruption at the final judgment, it's destruction at the final judgment, at the end. You will not be saved one who is not using their resources for the glory of the kingdom, who is habitually resisting generosity, will not enjoy the life of the age to come. Because he uses the future tense of the verb will reap there. It's not going to reap or ha- reaping now, it's will reap. And it points to the last judgment. But in sowing to the spirit, the last part of that verse, in sowing to the spirit, it's not for salvation. Now, I, you, you guys want to might want to say well he's talking about work salvation no no Paul's been talking about that the whole letter okay so he's not changing his tune at the end of the letter but we sow to the spirit not for salvation but because of salvation because we have been changed because we've been born again and we are now children of the king sowing to the spirit points to what Paul said in in 5 walking in the spirit it also points to being led by the Spirit, chapter 5, verse 18. It also points to marching in step with the Spirit, chapter 5, verse 25. that That's been my last two sermons, so if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to those sermons. Righteousness is not based on works. Paul's not saying that here, but those who do not practice by faith good works will not receive the final inheritance because their heart has not been changed. And it's hard for us to understand that because sometimes we, we love grace and gr- you're saved by grace and grace alone, by faith, you're saved. But there's a verse that follows Ephesians 2, 8, 9 that says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, wait for it, good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. So whatever your opportunity is given right now to do good works, you were prepared for that before time even began eternity past God called set those in motion so those who do not practice by faith the good works will not receive the final inheritance those who sow to the spirit produce the fruit of the spirit back to Galatians 5 22 through 23 our memory verse from last month by the way we'll be generous with all of our life love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control That's what we will produce. And the Holy Spirit changed that. And it comes out in all aspects of our life. There's got to be a change when we are saved. And God will make that change in us. It's not our responsibility. So in this context, Paul is talking about sharing good things and sowing good things in the spirit. It manifests itself in giving to others. Like I mentioned earlier, they had needs. They had material needs. Physical needs, 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 not wants, needs. They were hungry. They needed some stuff, and Paul was talking about giving it to them. We, as believers in Christ, need to give differently than the world gives. The world gives with a, if they give it all, they give with the strings attached usually. We need to be able to trust God for our needs, whatever they are. So we, we are free to give whatever we can give. We will reap eternal life, recur, refers to the reward at the end of life, before the judgment of God, if we sow to the Spirit. See, Paul's gospel of grace to the Galatians, it, it, it does not put up with any kind of laxness in our living our life. It doesn't say, okay, I'm saved, I got fire insurance, I'm not going to hell. That's not what Paul's going to preach ever. He's going to preach, you're saved, now get busy. But busy differently not for salvation, but because you're saved. He doesn't want this to be a foundation for you to live willy-nilly like you want to live, to make your own choices, because if that happens, you're probably not saved. That's Paul's point. So be generous with all that God has given you, and it means that we fully trust God to provide for us, no matter what we give away. And we get the privilege of caring for others. And knowing our God's got us. In God we trust, right? Jesus gives a great illustration of what it means to trust God and to do the best things with your possessions. In Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21, I'd ask you to turn there. Jesus tells them a parable instructing them about what to do with your possessions. Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21 Jesus says, he then told, he says, watch out and be on guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. Then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive. He thought to himself, what should I do since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? Uh, I will do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and my goods there. Then I'll say to myself you have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy eat drink and enjoy yourself But God said to him you fool This very night your life is demanded of you and the things you have prepared Whose will they be? That's how it is with the one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God I mean there it is plain and simple be rich toward God be generous that's what, it, that's what it means. That's what God's calling us to do. The faith to give generously and trust, and in trusting God will provide what we need. That's, that's so we can do good for others. I mean, we, we sometimes act like we gotta protect every penny we have and everything we have because we think that's good stewardship. Well, I'll talk about that in a minute. But we have, we have been saved by the king of kings, okay? The creator of the universe is our father. We have everything we need, no matter what we think. We can give by faith because we are children of the king. Not so we can buy our inheritance, but we can be who we were saved to be. Generous. I mean, remember Psalms 56 said, what can mere mortals do to me? I will trust in God. See, generous giving is not optional according to God. And Paul's making that clear here in Galatians 6. It is, not, it is not optional to any of us that believe in Jesus Christ. To live in the Spirit is to give concern and care for others. Supplying physical needs is the most concrete, concrete way to do that. I mean, we have a lot of those kind of benefits around here. We, we do a lot to help the physical needs of others, and that's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Those who are generous will receive eternal life on the last day, while those who are stingy, who are habitually self-absorbed, will face condemnation. Now, I want to take a moment here to say what I'm not saying to this church and to anyone else that's listening. This church is very generous, monetarily, financially. This church is great. And uh, we have money in the bank, we have a lot of other things we do with that money, it's, it's great. So I don't want y'all to run out of here and think, oh, the pastor doesn't think we give enough. I'm not saying that at all. I'll say what I'm saying here in a minute. I'm also not telling you to starve yourself so you can give away stuff, okay? God doesn't call us to do that either, okay? You may, you may can skip a few meals or have smaller meals so you can give stuff away. That's, that's between you and God. I don't want you to not pay your bills. I don't want you to fail on and, and renege on debts. I don't want you to give what you don't have. Jesus never asks us to do that. He asks us to give what we have. But I also want us to understand that good stewardship, and we use that word a lot, especially in Baptist churches. Good stewardship doesn't mean we get to hoard and and be stingy with everything, trying not to be duped, trying not to be taken advantage of. That's, That's not what stewardship means. It means being wise with it. Generosity doesn't mean being frivolous or unwise with our, our, our finances. We, we set things up here to, to kind of guard against being taken advantage of. So when, when you're, and this is another principle I found in my life, when I'm in need financially, I give something away. It works. I, I can't explain why, but sometimes you just give it away, give something away. It doesn't have to be much. But it's a symbol to God, and it just works on your soul a little bit to trust him more. Wait on him after you give it away. So here's what I am saying. Assess what God has given you and decide what you can give away, what you can look at. Take a sober look at how blessed you are. And then look for ways to share what you have. There are many things we have besides money that we can share in this life. Time. Oh, time is probably the most precious thing to us lately. Most of us have plenty of money, but not much time. But we all have 24 hours a day. Possessions, your skills, your knowledge, food, clothing, money, and, and even your energy is things you can give away that God would have you so generously with. And it guarantees a reaping in heaven of immense reward. Jesus promises that too in Luke 6 35. He says, Belove your enemies and do good, and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high it's a promise so be generous for your eternal life but also let's be constant in doing good and being generous point number two be persistent in good for everyone be persistent in being good to all look at verses 9 and 10 let us not get tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time, if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. See, this persistence is for eternal glory that God's gonna give us in that final judgment because you gave generously. He's gonna give back to you. At the proper time, Paul says here, which is the last day. That's that's the only thing he can be referring to we will reap. He says, do not grow tired. Now he's not necessarily talking about physical tiredness because a lot of us get physically tired. And especially when we're doing good, it's gonna be harder, and I'm gonna explain that in a minute. He's not talking about mental weariness, but he's talking about don't abandon doing the right thing. Don't give up on it, don't quit. It may be hard, but don't quit. Don't stop being generous. Even if you get duped once, if you get taken advantage once, don't stop. Might be more careful. Might set up some some guards and guardrails. You might be able to ask for some help, some advice. See, good is a constant battle in this world. It It is wearying to be good all the time, to do good all the time, because sin is always crouching at the door. Sin is always waiting to drag us down, to make it hard. Sin is always trying to drain us to to rack our nerves with fear and insecurity. And you will be spiritually weary at times from trying to do good. I've experienced it more in this job than I ever thought I would, but that's God's God's blessing on me and and it's a a great thing. So it's another reason though why we must give in faith. See, if we give in faith, if we're generous in faith, we don't have to worry about what the outcome's gonna be. We don't have to worry about being taken advantage of. We don't have to worry about who's going to replace that money that I lost to that person or gave away to that person. We don't have to worry about that. So we don't need to let good and giving discourage us because we give by faith. So don't give up. Persist in doing and giving good for the glory of God and our eternal rewards. And it helps our spiritual health. You know, there's hardly anything God asks us to do that's not meant to help us spiritually. So when you're reading the imperatives and the commands of scripture, realize it's meant to help us. It's something we can do tangibly and physically maybe, but it's also meant to help us spiritually. Assurance and peace. Assurance and peace will come from giving generously. I know it sounds kind of a paradox, but it's true because it's obedience. It's obedience and it's spiritual effort and casting our bread upon the water and letting God take care of the results is is an act of faith. And it'll give us a spiritual health that you would not even imagine. Like I said earlier, if you find yourself in a need, give away something. God will bless that. And it's, he says, at the right time, a time known only to God, those who have given generously will receive a reward. And then verse 10 therefore, and I always ask you, what's the therefore, therefore? That's how we kind of look at Scripture. Well, the therefore is, is there because of this since God calls us to sow good things from our faith, We must follow the spirit in sharing our resources with others. That's what verse 10 is is there. Paul is kind of capturing the whole essence of of the whole exhortation section of his letter. from, From chapter 4, verse 12, to chapter 6, verse 18. He's capturing it in this one verse in chapter 10. Let us keep doing good to everyone. Let's work for the good of all. Take the opportunities you can to do good to help everybody. See, Paul, but Paul also notes that there may be some limitations. So he puts a little caveat priority there, especially those of the household of faith. The church comes first, but not only, okay? The church family comes first. Yes, we want to keep the lights on, but this is not talking about keeping the lights on and the air conditioning running. This is talking about helping each other. Family member to family member in a sense, The church comes first, but it's not the only place. Give to the family first, but not just to them. See, if we don't care for our own here, what kind of witness is that to the world? It's not a very good one. If we're not taking care of our own the best we can, we're not being a good light and good salt to the world around us. So be persistent in finding ways to help everyone. That's what Paul's asking them to do. Work to be constant in giving aid. You know, we're very persistent about our gardens. Our gardens or our flowers, we always, man, we'll do whatever it takes. We'll fertilize them, we'll water them, we'll till them. We'll spend a lot of sweat, blood, and tears on our garden and be persistent to try to get that to grow. Why don't we do that with our gospel faith? With our gospel ministry? That's what Paul's telling them. Be persistent. Don't let anything get you weary and get you down. Jesus even says something about this in Luke 18, 29 and 30. He said to them, truly, I tell you, there is no one, no one who has left a house, wife or brothers or sisters, parents or children because of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more at this time and eternal life in the age to come. Many times more. Boy, I like the sound of that, don't you? Many times more we'll receive, in heaven especially, because we gave here. And see, a soul that's saved by grace can afford to give away everything. And I know some missionaries who are, have given away everything to be where they are. I, I'm not there in my faith, but I'm not called to that. So, But are you tired of helping others? Because I know that sometimes it can get tiring. I get tired of it at times. Have you quit? That's what Paul's caution is about. Don't quit. Don't give up. But also, sometimes we substitute giving money in place of our involvement. And it's pretty easy to write a check or to throw some cash in the box or whatever. It's pretty easy to, to, to donate to something. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, but I think we're supposed to be involving ourselves, too. God calls us to give ourselves. So the poor, the homeless, the needy, the spiritually weak, the the socially awkward, the untrained, etc., etc., you can go on. They need someone in their life. And when you come across someone, that is what Paul called here an opportunity to help. So look for those. Because giving that way can gain access to their spiritual life. And remember, it's always about the soul. It's always about eternity because it's hanging in the balance. And if we can gain access to somebody's soul through a a concrete involvement, some sort of effort you've put out, even just giving, we need to make sure that the gospel is in our motives. Use the opportunities to tell someone about eternal life in Jesus Christ. So we need to give. We need to get our hands dirty. We need to get inconvenienced. Boy, that's the thing I... I hate the most sometimes. Got a schedule, got a plan for the day and gets interrupted. We need to get inconvenienced. It derails us from our own ideas of what's right and wrong. We need to take risks. And that's what God's calling us to do. And when a faith family member needs help, we need to be eager to get to them, to help them. Help our church family. Especially those who are actively engaged with us as a church family. If you know of a need... Find a way to fill it. Now how do, I'm going to take a moment here and talk about church membership. Um, how do we know who the family is? Well, back in Paul's day, if you were part of the church, which usually where there was one church, Christian church in a town, it was pretty well known who, who they were because of the persecution, because of the difference in their lives, because they weren't going to the pagan temples. There's a lot of reasons. So no one had to keep a role. Plus, keeping a role might have been dangerous for some people. So today, anybody can claim faith in Jesus Christ. There's not a person that comes to the door of our church asking for a handout that doesn't say, oh, I believe in Jesus. They'll say it all the time. I mean, it's just amazing. Everybody's saved and need a handout. Um, I get to have a conversation with them, which is good. But... So it helped, our membership helps us know who's of the family of faith. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to be restrictive necessarily, but, but this sets some priority to our aid. It gives us an idea of how we can use our money um, best. But overall, we have our marching orders from the Spirit, and that is to do good to all as you have opportunity. So let's execute those orders and watch God bless us in eternity, for it will be a great blessing that you will receive. God calls us to be generous and to be persistent in that generosity for the good of alls. We need to set our hearts on that. So you remember at the beginning I mentioned the fact that the American dream has kind of ruined us? Well, God blessed America. There's no doubt if you look at the history, God has blessed America more than you can imagine. And most of us were born here by God's grace. We're born here by God's grace to do good for God's kingdom, not our own and not America's. So I need to think about that. Why are you here? Why did you get put in this country? God wants you to help others. So believers, use what you have to minister to others. Do good to all. Take those opportunities. This is what we are here to do. If you want to become a member of our church, I'd love to talk to you about that after the service. Come see me. Now, if none of this giving all to everyone makes any sense to you, it won't till you have Jesus in your heart. Till your heart's changed by Jesus Christ, it won't make any sense about giving everything you have away. But when he changes your heart, it will make sense. And here's how he does that. He puts faith in your heart that says with conviction, I believe in you, Jesus, your death, burial, and resurrection for the forgiveness of my sins. I can't make myself right with God. Only Jesus can And you believe that without any reservation. You believe that he paid your death penalty for you. And then you repent of all the things you're hanging on to. You get rid of the things that you're trusting in, whether it's your money, your power, your own abilities, that's going to make you right with God. You get rid of those. That's called repenting. You put them aside and you make it all about Jesus. That's how we get faith. That's how this giving away everything will make sense to you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this lesson. As hard as it is to hear and as hard as it is to execute and as tired as we get of trying to execute it, we know that it is for our soul's good that you have called us to do this. I pray, Father, that you will show us ways in our own lives, personally get involved with us and show us where we can improve our sowing in the Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.